Well, today we're going to continue with our sermon series, The Upside Down Kingdom. And today we're going to finish the portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that is considered the Beatitudes. So we're going to look at the last Beatitude this morning. And once again, we are going to see the upside downness of Jesus' kingdom. And I think that this is probably, this last beatitude is probably the most upside down beatitude of them all. So let's pray and we'll check it out. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have preserved it over uh, thousands of years. We thank you that it is not only preserved, but it is living and it's active. And it has a way of cutting us right to the heart to bring us the comfort we need, but also to bring us the challenge that we need. Lord, we pray that you would do it again, that you would take your word and that you would tailor, fit it for each person that is here today. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that dwells in those who believe so that we might understand what your word has to say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me read this last beatitude to you. And it's just so counterintuitive, it's just crazy. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Why does Jesus finish the Beatitudes with this statement? Here's why I think he does. Because if you are living out the previous Beatitudes, persecution is going to come your way. If you are living out the upside-down values of the kingdom of God that can put the world right side up, persecution is going to come to you. People will mistreat you. People will not like you. People will harass you. Expect it. Take it to the bank. Don't be surprised when it happens. Be surprised if it isn't happening to you. Now, remember what those values are of Jesus' upside-down kingdom, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are those who acknowledge their sin, who mourn over their sin, who turn to God for mercy and grace. They experience the blessing of being adopted into God's family. They experience the blessing of God's great comfort. They experience being transformed into people that are meek, that are righteous, that are merciful, that are pure in heart, and that are peacemakers. 
Meek, meaning kind, gentle, and humble. Righteous, meaning living in ways that honor God and that bless others. Merciful, treating people in such a way that, it's, that they don't even deserve it. Pure in heart, meaning you're fully devoted to Jesus, that you're, you're totally, your allegiance is to Christ. And honesty and, and integrity characterize all your dealings with other people. Peacemakers, meaning you do the hard work of not peacekeeping, but of working towards reconciliation where there is conflict. It's these type of, types of people that the world loves to persecute. They are so full of light, they're so full of love, they're so full of peace and joy that the darkness can't stand it. Because it reveals to them their sin and their brokenness and they either feel judged in the, in the presence of the lights or... They feel envious or jealous. And so you need to know, if you're living the values of the upside, living them out, upside down kingdom values, there are going to be people that don't like you. And persecution can come in a variety of forms. Sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it's clearly overt and obvious, and it can be extremely extreme. It can go from little side comments that someone makes about you, or it can be on the other end of the spectrum, someone feeding you to the lions, beheading you, or burning you at the stake. Now, thankfully, here in America, many of us don't experience these extreme forms of persecution. But if you are living for Jesus... At some point, at some time, you're going to experience some form of persecution. I recently, recently talked with a good friend of mine, and he is experiencing persecution from his brothers, his two brothers. And he probably doesn't see it as this, but it is. You see, his two brothers, you know, since he has become a Christian, since he has decided to, to live fully devoted to Jesus, since he has decided to really embody these character values of God's kingdom, they say comments like, you know, you were a lot more fun, you know, when you weren't a Christian. You, you just think you're high and mighty now, even though. My friend has probably been more loving to his brothers than he's ever been. You just think you're better than everybody else. Right? I recently talked with another friend who at work, always when she interacts with this co-worker, the co-worker says to her, don't judge me, but... Don't judge me, but don't judge me, even though this friend has been nothing but kind and loving, not condescending in any way, 
hasn't judged this person in any way. And this is hard for my friend to take. There's an ostracism. There is this, there's this separation that she's experiencing from this coworker simply because the light in her life is so powerful and such on a wonderful display before this coworker that this coworker immediately feels judged in the light that she sees in this person. And that's hard. Now, one Christian organization in talking about persecution we may experience in the workplace has this to say. Righteous people in the workplace may be subjected to active, even severe persecution by people who benefit or believe they benefit from injustice there. For example, if you speak up for or merely befriend people who are victims of gossip or discrimination in your workplace, expect persecution. If you are the president of a trade association and you speak out against an unfair subsidy your members are receiving, don't expect them to reelect you. Look, Jesus said elsewhere in John 15, 19, and 20, he said this, Because you are not of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Look at what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.12. Yes, all, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You will suffer some form of persecution. Persecution is par for the Christian life. And so I ask you this. We must consider. When was the last time you experienced some form of mistreatment, harassment, or ostracism because of living out the upside-down ways of the kingdom? If we are not experiencing some level of persecution, at least some of the time, we must ask ourselves, why? Why? Could it be that your life is not distinctly Christ-like? Could it be that you live like the rest of the world. And therefore, the world is quite okay with you. Misery loves company, right? That you're arrogant, that you're prideful, that you're self-centered like the rest of the world. You're always right like the rest of the world. You have no joy like the rest of the world. You're constantly whining and complaining like the rest of the world. You're unforgiving like the rest of the world. You don't stick up for the marginalized like the rest of the world. You lie, you cheat, and you manipulate just like the rest of the world. You gossip like the rest of the world. Could it be that you fit so well into the kingdom of the world that it can do nothing but accept you? 
So you have to ask yourself, am I living out the light of God's kingdom? Secondly, and another reason why you may not be experiencing persecution at some level, at least some of the time, is because you live in a Christian bubble. And this is a big danger for those of us who have been Christians for a long time. We are uncomfortable being around people that are not like us, that don't think like us, that don't behave like us, who live differently than us. We Christians are good at insulating ourselves from people that make us uncomfortable. We only hang out with Christians. We only play with Christians, eat with Christians, shop at Christian stores, eat at Chick-fil-A, <laughs> which we did on Saturday, by the way. I think I've talked about the Chick-fil-A sauce before. I'm going to mention that again. It is so good. I don't know what they put in that stuff, but it is magical. Listen to Christian music, do business with Christian companies, read Christian books, cheer for Christian athletes, watch Christian movies, spend hours and hours in Bible studies in our nice Christian homes with Bible verses plastered, plastered over everything, talking about how we need to be the light of the world. We laugh because it's true, isn't it? Comfort. That is the idol that we are bowing down to. Some of us do interact with non-Christians on a regular basis, but we don't look for opportunities to share with the hope we have in Christ. We fear being rejected in some way. The God of safety we're worshiping. I just don't know how to share the hope I have in Christ. I'm an introvert. I'm awkward around people. I haven't had the opportunity. I may lose my job. I just need to get finished with this project first, and then I will talk to this person about the hope I have in Christ. God won't change this person. Why would I even try? Why would I get uncomfortable? Why would I take the risk? Look, a lack of persecution in your life may just be because you are so content and comfortable in your Christian bubble or you're around non-Christians, but you fear rejection so much that they don't even know you're a Christian. Let me ask you this. Name one person that isn't a Christian that you have a close personal relationship with. If not, what are you going to do about it? We say we want to be the light of the world. Have you been bold enough to talk about God, your faith, your hope in Christ in some way with the non-Christians, if you do encounter non-Christians on a regular basis? If not, what are you going to do about it? Now, this is so important. This is so important. 
Notice what this verse does not say. First, notice what it says. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice this verse does not say, and hear this, blessed are those who are persecuted for being obnoxious. Blessed are those who are persecuted for being overzealous. Blessed are those who are persecuted for being pushy. Blessed are those who are being persecuted because they are being brash, abrasive, insensitive, offensive, and condemning. Blessed are those, it says, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Many Christians in their behavior makes me wonder if they are really Christians bring on bring persecution on themselves. And I don't know how else to say it, so I'm just going to say it because they're jerks. The persecution they receive doesn't come to them because of meekness or because of godly living or because of purity of heart or mercy. It comes to them because they're arrogant and they're prideful, and it causes them to bash and denounce and condemn people. And this sort of thing is all over social media. No wonder so many people see Christians as judgmental, hypocritical, because many are. And what's even more disheartening, and this drives me crazy, And anytime we talk about this stuff, and when I say it drives me crazy, we can be very prideful that we're not like that. So it's like, God, I'm, I'm wretched. Like, grace, grace, right? Look, this drives me nuts. When people are not living for righteousness sake that are communicating the gospel message in ways that are just so offensive insensitive brash in that and what happens is they get persecuted and what they say is oh the reason I'm being persecuted is because they just can't handle the truth I'm speaking are you sure it the truth Look, the gospel message will be offensive to some, but we shouldn't be offensive as we declare this message. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's not the message that you're communicating that your persecutor doesn't like. That persecutor doesn't like you. Perhaps that family member that doesn't agree with you is not because of the gospel message. It's because you approach spiritual conversations as a battle that needs to be fought and won. Maybe the coworker doesn't have a problem with your message. The reason they're not seeing eye to eye with you is because you have not listened to them at all. People are won into the kingdom through love, 
through grace, through great care and great sensitivity. They're not one into the kingdom through judgment and condemnation. And so the questions we have to ask ourselves this morning are, are we being persecuted? If not, is it due to a lack of conformity to Christ in our lives? Is it or is it due to my isolation from the lost in this world? And if I am being persecuted, is it really for righteousness' sake? That's what we have to ask. Now, (laughs) being harassed, being mistreated, being ostracized for righteousness' sake does not sound like fun. It sounds quite horrible, doesn't it? Who wants to sign up to be persecuted? We spend our whole lives trying to be accepted. We spend our whole lives trying to be considered part of the in crowd. We spend our whole lives trying to build our reputation. And this is telling us, Jesus is telling us, willingly endure insults, willingly endure harassment, willingly endure slander. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. Why? Why is Jesus saying this? Why is it blessed to experience this? This is really topsy-turvy. This is shocking. Persecution, the good life, just don't seem to go together. Jesus knew that this particular beatitude would be just so counterintuitive. I think it's the reason why this is the only one that he expounds upon, and this is the only one that he repeats twice. He knew what he was asking. And here's what I think Jesus is saying. Blessed. Look, the kingdom of God is at hand, which means my power, my kingdom power is now available that I can transform you into a person that is willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. And the reason why this is such a blessing, because you are in good company, you are going to experience a fellowship with me that you've never experienced before, and because your reward in heaven is great. That's why it's a blessing. Let's start with this. You're in good company. Perhaps there is no no greater evidence that someone is a child of God than their willingness to suffer for righteousness' sake. I think it's the ultimate proof. It's the ultimate proof. Evidence that a person is a part of the kingdom of God. It means, because it means that God has so conformed their life to himself that even the darkness can't do anything about it but feels that it has to do something about it. This person, if you're, if you're experiencing persecution of some sort, your life has been so conformed to Christ that the evil principalities and powers of the kingdom of the world feel like they have to do something about it. I don't know if there's a better compliment. Look, the first Christians, 
They believed that there was no greater badge of honor than persecution. Check this out. In Acts, after the apostles, they were arrested for preaching Christ. They were beaten, and then they were freed from prison. This is what they say. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Persecution and follows the true condition of our faith. It is easy to follow Jesus when following Jesus leads to the admiration and respect of other people. It's easy to follow Jesus when following Jesus leads to advancement in your career. It's easy to follow Jesus when following Jesus unites your family. When things just go as according to plan, But when persecution comes and it strips this stuff away, then do you still love him? Will you still serve him? And if you do, there's no question that Jesus, not the gifts that he gives you, as good as those are, are your greatest treasure. God uses persecution to give us this blessed assurance that our faith is rock solid. That our faith is like the prophets that have gone before us and have endured persecution as well, but have remained faithful. And if persecution reveals a weak faith in us, guess what? God is good. He uses that persecution to build and strengthen your faith, which is an equal blessing. Check this out. You're in good company. That's why you're blessed if you're persecuted, but also because the rewards in heaven are great. Rewards in heaven is something we don't talk much about, but we should. Look, R.C. Sproul, he's a Bible scholar. He says this, and I think it's true of why we don't talk about it, but why we should. The concept of rewards is something which, which, something with, with which we often struggle. We put so much emphasis on justification by faith rather than by works that we sometimes despise the works we might be able to achieve. How can we reconcile the truth that Christ is our only merit with our receiving great reward in heaven? There are at least 25 texts in the New Testament that teach that rewards in heaven will be distributed by Christ according to our works. We get to heaven, check this out, this is important, we get to heaven by faith alone, but the reward we experience once we are there is based upon the works that we do in this world. Therefore, those who are justified are called to live fruitful, godly lives that produce good works, and those works will receive a heavenly reward. This is what Jesus was getting at when he said this later later on in his sermon on the mount. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, do not lay up, for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, look, live for me. Live fully devoted to me. And you will experience persecution. But this is the amazing part about it all. As you do, 
with each insult that you receive, with each instance of harassment that you experience, one more reward, one more reward, one more reward for a life that will last eternally. It just makes sense. But we are so focused on getting treasure in this life by doing our own thing that we don't store up treasure in heaven. Oh, the joy that people will experience in this new earth as they receive the rewards that they have earned here in this life. Finally, last blessing of being persecuted, and we'll close with this, is we have a special fellowship with Christ as we suffer for him. At the end of Philippians 3, Paul, he speaks about this desire to know Christ. It's like this burning desire. And it was so intense that if it meant that he could know Jesus better, if he suffered, he, wanted to, he was willing to suffer. Whatever it takes to know him more intimately, 1 Peter 4.14 says this, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. What this verse is communicating is that the Holy Spirit fills and anoints those who are being persecuted for righteousness' sake in a very special way, which enables that person to experience a fellowship with Christ that is intense. It's powerful. And you think about it, as they're going through persecution and they experience God's resurrection power sustaining them, despite their circumstances that really should make them just go crazy, they see in a fresh way God's power. They see how really powerful God is. Jesus' statement, I am with you to the end of the age, takes on new meaning. Their faith becomes unshakable. There's this special fellowship with Jesus in our suffering for righteousness' sake. Not only did these first Christians attest to this, but the Christians throughout the centuries have attested, have attested to this. I was reading, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Day has passed. And I was re- he's always very you know, intrigued me. The man's courage, like I just am just, it's so intriguing, it's so inspiring. Check this out. I read this this past week. Talk about, the reason why I'm reading it, the fellowship of, with Jesus in our suffering, in our persecution. So by January 1956, with the Montgomery bus boycott in full swing, threatening phone calls, up to 40 a day, began pouring into King's home. Though he put up a strong front, the threats unsettled him. One midnight, as he sat over a cup of coffee worrying, the phone rang again. And the caller said, Nigger, we are tired of you in your mess now. And if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. Imagine getting a phone call like that. King later described what happened in the next few minutes. I sat there. And I thought about 
a beautiful little daughter who had just been born. She was the darling of my life. I'd come in night after night and see that little gentle smile. And I sat at that table thinking about that little girl and thinking about the fact that she could be taken away from me any minute. And I started thinking about a dedicated, devoted, and loyal wife who was over there asleep. And she could be taken from me, or I could be taken from her. And I got to the point that I couldn't take it any longer. I was weak. Can you see the kingdom of darkness? Laser focused on this man right in this moment. This is what he says. And I discovered that, I discovered then that religion had to become real to me. And I had to know God for myself. And I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I will never forget it. I prayed a prayer and I prayed out loud that night. I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. But Lord, I must confess now that I am weak. I am faltering. I'm losing my courage. And I can't let the people see me like this because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to get weak. Can you imagine the And it seemed, this is so amazing, and it seemed that at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, oh, the sweetness of God's still small voice. Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even to, even until the end of the world. And he writes, Almost at once my fears began to go, my uncertainty disappeared. And the rest is history, isn't it? You see, the Spirit of God that came to rest on Martin Luther King Jr. in that moment gave him the faith and the courage to keep suffering for righteousness' sake. Oh, the fellowship that we can experience when we are per- with Christ, when we experience persecution for righteousness' sake. And so I pray for us here at Abundant Life that we would know this blessedness. That we here at Abundant Life, that all of you in this room would be so full of the light of Christ that you would not be isolated but that you would be so engaged with non-Christians that they mistreat you and me. And as they do, I pray that we would be so full of courage due to God's resurrection power resting upon us. And that we would be so motivated to continue living righteously despite the suffering To know Christ more deeply and to obtain heavenly rewards. Because we will see that as we live this way, and this is is important, we'll get to this next week. That although there will be many that will persecute us, guess what? 
There will be, you know, our righteous living will attract persecution, but guess what? Our, our, our righteous living will attract many to the kingdom and will attract many to Christ. It is worth it because he is worth it and people that are lost in darkness are worth it. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you do not ask us to go where you have not gone yourself. I think of the immense persecution that you experience for righteousness' sake. Not just for righteousness' sake, but for our sake. Because you valued us. Lord, we are thankful that you did not play the coward. We are thankful that you did not isolate yourself from our thinking. Ways in our thinking that was so contrary to, to your ways and your thinking. But Lord, with great courage, with the, 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 the resurrecting spirit upon you, totally dependent on the Father, you came and you saved us through that persecution. We thank you for that. May we follow in your footsteps. Lord, I know that this whole thought of suffering for your righteousness' sake can, can leave me feeling very scared and afraid. And Lord, I have to remind myself that your grace will be sufficient if you were to call me into some of those more difficult places and that I can count on it. And so today I do not need to fear because your grace will be sufficient in my weakness. Lord, I pray that for these people here this morning, if they need to figure out a way to engage with more non-Christians, that you would give them a plan. For those that are engaged with non-Christians, but those non-Christians don't even know that they're a Christian, and they haven't looked for ways to share the hope that they have in you, that you would give them the courage to do that, that you would help them look for opportunities and seize those opportunities when they arise. And Lord, if we are receiving persecution, I pray that if we're receiving it because of unrighteousness, that you would help us to see that as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.